I, I get bewildered by people who think there's more to it than just like eat your fruits and vegetables, make them 75, 80% of your diet and, you know, start there. Um, and for some reason, like that's, you know, oh, it's way more complicated than that. No, it's not. It's more complicated than that if you're getting you, what you think is knowledge off of social media. Hi, welcome to the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. I'm your host, Tarun Stevenson, and we are all about helping you lead, communicate, and grow to your full potential. Whether you're tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite podcasting app, don't forget to subscribe and follow so that you can stay up to date with all our latest episodes. All right, here's the latest episode. Let's get into it. Well, hey, everybody. I'm here with Scott Abel, who is a fitness expert who's had over five decades in the fitness industry in weight loss, physique transformation, bodybuilding, and it's so good to have you on the show today. Scott, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Fantastic. Well, you know, why don't we just get started by getting to know you? You've got quite a a lengthy and varied career. Um, Why don't you just give us a little bit of background about yourself, uh, where you've come from, what you do now, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Um, you know, uh, blue collar background, got into bodybuilding, was um, very successful at that. that. That transformed into being a very successful coach, even an online coach before there was such a thing as online coaching. Um, left the bodybuilding world, concentrated more on people who focus on health, um, especially in this day and age with COVID, et cetera, people mm. with um, you know, weight issues, uh, eating issues, that kind of thing. Ended up authoring uh, several um, number one best-selling books on Amazon, uh, that kind of thing. Lots of lots of um, products, uh, you know, at, at my website, etc. Training products, diet products, as I mentioned, the books, etc. So I don't go too into a five-decade career because you end up stuck in one decade or another. Oh, the 80s, look at his body. He was 260 pounds with 6% body fat. And, you know, but that was, that was a long time ago. And, you sure. know, it's not, like I said, it's not who I am and what I do now, but um I was also an academic for a lot of years and, and I won some academic scholarships for um, academic performance and intellectual proficiency and things like that at, right. at university. So, um, you know, when I look back at it now, being almost 60 years old, I see that, you know, um, I was a high achiever, probably because I was an overachiever uh, for, for most of the things that I tackled. Um, so I think that'll probably resonate with your audience but um so whatever i undertook you know i I became quite the name at doing it so sure um, you know well we're we're honored to have you on this show scott and um i want to delve into some of your thoughts on leadership and high achievement you you do a lot of work around uh the the price for success and achievement and Uh, understanding why many people don't achieve the levels that they want to. Uh, But I suppose probably the most easy and uh, obvious inroad to our conversation might be to just talk about health and well-being uh, for professionals, for leaders, you know, in the time of COVID when so many people are locked down, uh, have restricted access to exercise. uh, Why is it 
why do you believe that it's more important now uh, to for professionals and leaders to have an awareness of their health? Uh, how does that affect their performance in their businesses and in their leadership? Well, you'll get some people that tell you it doesn't affect their performance at all, but they have no, yeah. they have no, they have no context. They have no, yeah. you know, boundary to compare it to. So if you're only used to eating junk food and, and, you know, um, not sleeping at all, then you'll say, well, yeah. I'm still productive. I did this, this, and this, but, yeah. um, the thing about health is it's, it's a slow moving, um, cautionary tale, right? Like um, right. people who get heart disease and have issues like that. These things are 20, 30 years in the making. Yeah. And it's a little too late after the fact, people are starting to realize um, it's a little too late after the fact to, to think you can go back and correct something that's already been 30 years in the making. But yeah. That's the mindset that people have. And I mean, it, that goes back as far as the 50s and the 60s with smoking, right? Lung cancer yeah. is going to happen to everyone else. It's never going to happen to me sure. uh, and, until it does. So we call that the zero, the zero slash 100% rule. In other words, people think there's 0% chance that a pending risk is going to happen to them until it happens to them. And then there's 100% chance, sure. but they don't recognize anything in between. So a lot of it is just a lot of awareness in the modern era is self-awareness. And I think leaders especially should be people who practice that. And a lot of them just, they, they don't. Um, and I get a little myself, you know, with five decades of experience doing what I do, I get a little teed off at people who are of the do as I say, not as I do kind of leadership. Um, I, I just find that completely pretentious. Um, if you don't walk your talk, then don't talk, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, if, if you're going to be a leader, lead by example, it's the same thing with parenting, right? Books and books, sure. research and research has been written about parents model behavior, parents that model behavior they want to see in their children is a lot more effective than chastising and pointing and warning your children about something you don't want them to do when you do it sure. yourself. In other words, overweight parents are likely to have overweight kids, even though they tell them don't eat this food, don't eat that food. Yeah. Parents who drink or smoke are likely to bring up kids who drink or smoke because they're modeling and imprinting that yeah. on their children. And I think leadership has the same kind of uh, potential for imprints, depending on how responsible the leader wants to be because right now i mean with insta influencers and all that kind of nonsense i mean yeah. these these people aren't around to really try to improve others i mean the insta influencers are all about what it does for them right they're not yeah. about what sure. what they're giving to the actual consumer in terms of uh benefits of health and well-being and wellness etc mm -hmm. etc et so you really should be someone that practices what you preach. And then what COVID has brought to the forefront is no matter what you do for a living, um, if you don't lead a healthy lifestyle, preventative one, preventative mm -hmm. maintenance is what we call it, uh, then you're in a high risk category. And I see more and more of that people, um, you know, as of last March, the amount of people writing me who were now like scared straight, basically. Mm -hmm. 
It was like, oh my God, how did I let this happen? Uh, coach, you coached me 25 years ago when I competed in bodybuilding. Now I'm 50 pounds overweight and, right. you know, I'm afraid of COVID. I'm, you know, I, I've got type two diabetes and I got this mm. and I got that, um, you know, that kind of thing. And yet what they do for a living, maybe they're the boss or they're the, yeah. the leader or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I just think health is just, so much to the forefront now that that mm. people are becoming more aware than ever and that you, on a micro level an individual level but also on a macro level in terms of uh, you know climate and all those kind of things as well yeah okay so let's talk let's talk about the the awareness of health uh you know probably now more than ever we have this awareness of the need for health there's uh, more uh, media attention given to health than ever before we understand the human body so much better yet uh, health problems are at an all-time high in Western countries. You know, obesity is a growing concern in most Western countries. Uh, what What do you think the disconnect is between uh, awareness and uh, the way in which we've gone as a society uh, further and further away from personal health? Well, I think a lot of it is ownership and responsibility and people balk at those words that, you know, that nothing is, you know, you that people want to be victims of a lifestyle of, of um, convenience and entitlement. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not the victims of those things. You're the recipient of them. So you don't have to uh, accept those kind of things or, or adopt them or internalize them to such a degree that it affects your health in a negative way. Mm. And then you become trapped in this maze that people are led to believe is really, really difficult to get out of. And it's not. The answers are actually very, very simple. Um, you know, simple doesn't mean easy, mm. but the answers are very simple. So, um, I, I get bewildered by people who think there's more to it than just like eat your fruits and vegetables, make them 75, 80% of your diet and, you know, start there. Um, and for some reason, like that's, you know, oh, it's way more complicated than that. No, it's not. It's more complicated than that. If you're getting you, what you think is knowledge off of social media. If you look at real knowledge, I mean, I watched documentaries and stuff from the 50s and 60s that talked about eating your vegetables and fruits. I mean, this isn't rocket science, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, we know, I talked about in a few of my books, like Beyond Metabolism and Understanding Metabolism, um, through the evolution of, of the industrial age, there was no obesity to the, till the 1970s. And what was mm. the big, what was the big spike? that led to the obesity epidemic that continues today. And it was the pro proliferation of fast food um, okay. availability, right? And the availability and convenience of, of food without labor. So you can, you know, take things out of the fridge, you can order them delivered to your door, you don't have to expend any calories in preparation, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, people think that the weight loss things should be easier than it's going to be. So again, okay. that long-term creep up thing, if yeah. something took three, like no one gained 40 pounds, no one's 40 pounds overweight in three weeks or four months. Yeah. Right. If the, yeah. if that happened to you, it happened gradually over time, but yeah. what do they expect in a solution? They expect the solution to be right now, this minute. Yeah. So then they get up 
they end up getting caught up in just in lies, basically like low carb, I call it low carb lies and the politics Mm. for profit, Um, low carb nonsense, keto nonsense, all because that kind of stuff will make the scale move, but that you're Mm. not losing fat and you're doing all kinds of not good things for your metabolism. So, um, so then it gets, you know, what we've learned also a big parallel for me um, that I've talked about recently is, you know, like I said, I'm five decades into this now. So I've seen everything there is to see. And I would like to think I know everything there is to know right now with what we have available information. But um, what I've seen, what I used to be bewildered, like, why do people keep turning this into rocket science? Mm -hmm. And then I realized with social media in the last five years, witnessing the political landscape that if you want to sell something or you're worried about your own work or your own job or something, then throw confusion into the mix. Just keep confusing, just keep giving them disinformation and keep telling them wrong information with the end thing being that you've got the solution and nobody else really does. Um, And that really helped me sort of come to grips with, you know, the gap between why I I could never understand why people made this more, all more complicated than it ever was. Right. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, when I took up bodybuilding, I went right to the top. And then when I left that world, I left it. There was nothing else to accomplish there. So, um, And to this day, I find people, oh, it's so complicated. It's so, you know, all I hear is all this confusing information. Well, from a certain segment of the health and fitness industry, that's very deliberate, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, we we know if we look at um, um, political landscape that you've got people who, who pay millions and millions of dollars to, you know, fund research to say, you know, uh, soda isn't bad for you. Sugary drinks yeah. aren't bad for you and all yeah. these other things. And then it just becomes a kind of sea of ridiculousness. If you're an expert like I am and, and you're looking at it from the outside, looking in sure. and say, and saying, how can consumers be this ridiculously cognitive dissonance kind of like separated mm-hmm. from reality to the point where, um, it just sounds ridiculous. Like someone just wrote me yesterday, who's afraid of COVID type two diabetes, high cholesterol, really poor blood markers, almost a hundred pounds overweight, but so afraid to eat carbs. And then when sends me a diet history, it's like bacon and pizza and whipped cream in the coffee and, Mm. and butter, you know, butter, butter covered this and that. And I'm like, how is that the solution to what you're Mm. describing? It's not, it's, you know, but yet they've been fed this constant media diet that, Oh, carbs, 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 you know, Mm. like fear Mm. of food, fear of food. And it just becomes ridiculous from, you know, from the level of outside looking in and trying to understand the consumer mindset. But, um, you know, the consumer mindset also the you know, consumers also have a lot of responsibility to, to own up to. Good. Okay. I want to delve into the, uh, the consumer side of things and uh, playing the victim. Uh, but before I do, let's just talk about the misinformation that's out there. Um, you know, and sometimes it's uh, promoted by the fitness industry itself. And uh, one of the confusing of things that 
I have seen, and I really had a wake up call a couple of years ago, you know, I was going to the gym every day, but not seeing any results in weight loss. And they advertise, come and lose weight, come and lose weight, come and lose weight. And I'm thinking I'm working out, I'm doing my best to eat right, but I, I just can't see any results here. And, and one day I had a personal trainer who was honest enough to say, you know, 80% of weight loss happens in the kitchen, not in the gym. Yeah. But nobody's saying that. You know, most people are saying the opposite. They're saying, you know, work out six times a week and then you'll lose weight. And so I come away thinking, okay, I, I was trying to do what I thought was right, but I had it all backwards because of the lack of clear information. Why, why do you think that uh, there is this, I mean, maybe the obvious answer is profit, but the fitness industry is supposed to be concerned with the health and wellness of people. And yet the fitness industry seems to buy into this uh, misinformation train. Uh, is it just to keep people in a cycle of obesity or unhealth? So they keep coming back and paying their money to get fit. What, what, what's yeah, the, yeah, I, I think that's some of it, you know, I think at the highest levels, it's deliberate. Um, when I was doing bodybuilding, I, I had in, plenty of endorsement contracts with supplement companies. I never took any of the supplements. I never yeah. believed in them. And at the time, I always rationalized it. I always said, well, I mean, hopefully your readers are, are sorry, your followers are old enough to remember Michael Jordan and stuff. And I used to say, well, yeah, I don't take supplements, but people who see Michael Jordan on the box on the on the box of Wheaties don't think he plays basketball better because he eats Wheaties like nobody sure. you know so I rationalized it away that way but then it just got to the point of ridiculousness where I would see how much the supplement companies lied about yeah. what was possible everybody that I knew that also had endorsement contracts were also taking steroids and and things like that as I did which I talked about freely you know back sure. in those days um, so at the highest levels, but what I also see is a trickle down effect where, you know, personal trainers who work in a gym aren't really leaders in the fitness industry. People think yeah. they are, but they yeah. buy into the same crap, right? Like they're, mm. they go online and they follow the most popular, like I won't mention certain websites, but they, you know, they all fall in line and follow the certain websites and they, and they eat it with a spoon and then they, they feed it, they feed yeah. this misinformation and, and outright false information to their clients and then yeah. the clients don't know any better you're paying someone for a level of expertise right so yeah. um you don't know any better the trouble is people are majoring in minor details yeah so if you're trying to break into an industry in the age of social media where pretty much every industry is completely saturated no matter what that industry is yeah and you want to make a name for yourself by majoring in minor detail oh you know do this exercise this way. And then, you know, yeah. think about 12 or 15 things while you're doing this yeah. one simple exercise that just moves a lever back and forth, but yeah. you should think about a hundred things while you're doing it. And then they do the same thing with diet and they do the same yeah. thing with supplements all because they're trying to differentiate themselves in an already saturated market. Yeah. I'm lucky enough because I came along before social media and before those mm. things. So I had a name for myself being in the magazines and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then writing the books and those kind of things. So I kind of had a leg up, but now you, you watch and it's just sort of a sea of ridiculousness of, no, you should listen to me because I say this, yeah. Oh no, you should, you know, you should list. Don't listen to him. He said that, but really it's, it's, it is kind of that, but it's also these five other things. But you know what? The sky's either blue or it's not. 
Mm. And, you know, I, I think people are getting caught up in the mud of it all, right? Oh, like they start getting enthusiastic about, like I said, majoring in minor details. If you're a professional, a working professional, a leader, you've got a job and you've got limited time to commit to health and fitness, yeah. you don't need to know what someone with eight pack abs and 2% body fat who lives in the gym and does nothing but work out six days a week for two hours a day, you don't need to follow their regimen because you can't follow their regimen. And yeah. who says they're healthy anyway, just because they look that way. Do yeah, a right. search, on, do a YouTube search on bodybuilders who died before the age of 50 and watch the scroll list that comes up wow. or professional wrestlers or the rest of it, right? So mm. um, we tend to get caught up in this, you know, the package, the package, the package, even mm. on social media, you know, how, how cool is someone's avatar and their package, their package. Um, and then you'll listen to the information. The first thing you'll do is, wow, that package is really attractive. Look at all the bells and whistles and the shiny objects. And then you'll look and say, how many followers? Do, oh, they got a lot of followers. They must be legit. Yeah. It's like, no, you can, you know, as well as I do, you can buy yeah. followers on Instagram and all these other places. And then people get confused that information is knowledge. Information is not knowledge. Even not, even Einstein said information is not knowledge. Mm. So they get they get caught up in all this, you know, this person has a hundred thousand followers and they said X and this person has hundred thousand followers and they said, why? Um, there's a new term that just came out. I've been listening to it in the last week or so, because again, because of the political landscape and what's mm. transformed over the last several years for people paying attention outside of their own lives, it's called media literacy, teaching people how to differentiate legitimate information and context yeah. you know like all of a sudden five years ago we had these new two words alternative facts there are no alternative facts there are <laughs> it's facts a fact or it's not. yeah yeah you know what i mean so uh we live in a pretty wild world of mm. you know how does the consumer know who to listen to um and how do they know who's spewing garbage because if you can speak well and you can communicate yeah. well this is another thing we've learned over the last several yeah. years right in the in the public landscape and and as long as you have enough of a following that you can keep spewing the sky's not blue the sky's not blue the sky's mm -hmm. not blue you're going to collect a certain amount of followers that'll that'll be like i've been saying that for years you know yeah. that kind of thing yeah I, i'm so, glad you mentioned that because i i find that in the academic industry as well i've done a lot of academic research and i found that as i was delving into that more and more there's just this because everyone wants to differentiate themselves or they have to differentiate themselves to get the uh the accolade that they need you know majoring on the minors is such a big thing and uh trying to twist the uh, twist the outcomes or twist the perceptions of what is being said and and you know i know with my own research i had to step back and say hang on a second there are some there are some foundational things that have been true for centuries and exactly. only now we're starting to say, Oh, that's not true. And we're just trying to, you know, find things in the hidden details. And, and yet if you go back to the basics for so long, those basics have kept people in check 
they've kept societies in check, they've kept families in check. And yet all of a sudden we're obsessed with these fads or these new ideas. And then, you know, with a, with a media that's also obsessed with headlines and clickbait, uh, we, we seem to just be getting a, a stream of misinformation that is hard to decipher the truth you know, from. Click, clickbait was exactly what I was just going to say as you were saying yeah. that. Like I was just showing um, a friend of mine just yesterday a clip from a movie called So I Married an Axe Murderer. And it's just yeah. this small little two-minute clip where I was trying to point out to my friend, we used to laugh at people who went on about conspiracy theories, right? Yeah. Um, there's this scene where Mike Myers is, is sort of like making, you know, claiming that there's five people in the world who run everything and it's a secret. Yeah. It's just hilarious. But we used to look at those magazines at the checkout counter and, you know, like, you know, I had an alien's baby and all this, you know, mm. and nobody gave it follows or likes or, but yeah. social media sort of put all that kind of nonsense on steroids, right? So, yeah. um, and you see something with clickbait, even on legitimate sites and stuff. So yeah. again, this media literacy, what to click on and why, what mm. are you really looking for? Are you looking for the shiny object, the bells and whistles, or are you looking for legitimate answers? Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, I used to say, even back when I first became a big name in the bodybuilding industry, I used to say, don't ask me the question if you don't want the real honest answer. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't want the real honest answer. Yeah. They don't want to hear that you don't, you don't correct four decades of ignoring your health and your body yeah. in 12 weeks you can do a 12-week transformation contest but 12 weeks after that 12 formation 12-week yeah. transformation guess where you're going to be back right back where you started yeah. absolutely so, yeah so there's a lot of things about you know um being proactive rather than being reactive yeah. right um yeah. and you know i had this conversation or i did another uh, skype call earlier today and i was having this conversation it was like uh people were like um weren't you like, isn't it so surprising with the COVID and everything? And I was like, no, it wasn't surprising. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, Bill Gates predicted this eight, nine, whatever many years ago, you can just Google it. He said that the biggest threat to humankind is not nuclear war. And he showed a bomb. He said, is this here? It's a virus. Yeah. This was way before we knew anything about, about COVID, but yeah. governments or industries, and here's the lesson industries that are for profit, they don't want to change anything if they're making a profit until it's no longer making a profit. So sure. they're very, very reactionary. They're not proactive. Like, you know, I was, I used as an example, I watched a, a movie that was from the early nineties the other day. And in the movie, this wasn't, it wasn't part of the movie storyline or anything, mm. but what was mentioned in the movie was climate change. No one's yeah. doing anything about climate change. You know, it was just part of a conversation that had nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. And I said, okay, that was the early to mid nineties. We're now yeah. 21 years later. And now because of the threat is upon us, now people are up in arms. Like yeah. we got to do something about this. Well, we've had yeah. to, we should have been doing something about this 25 years ago. And it's the sure. same thing with your health. Um, as you get older, you've got less room to maneuver to take things for granted in terms of what you're putting into your body because everything you put into your body is programming it for a very specific result okay all right so let's have some straight talk then scott uh for for the average 
uh, guy or girl who maybe like me is middle-aged, uh, you know, in my twenties, I was fit. I was working out all the time. Then I got married. Then I had kids and the slow slide into unhealth came, you know, I was e e eating worse because, you know, and making excuses because I'm busy or, you know, tired and whatever else. And now you find yourself mid forties, realizing that your health is out of control need to do something about it and you're desperate to do something but all the solutions that are being promoted seem to be just either quick fixes or just scams that don't work what's the straight talk for someone who just needs to get back to basics and do something about it without uh, buying into these lies that are being promoted well the first thing i think is i like to talk about the triangle of awareness i call it a triangle yeah. of awareness where you have uh um mental emotional and underlying it is the physical or, or actionable, like what, mm. what you do on it, our habits basically. Right. Yeah. So the idea is to have a balanced isosceles triangle of mental fitness, emotional fitness, and then, you know, wellness that underlines it all. The first thing that people have to do, and you describe the typical scenario, that's exactly what I see. Um, I'm lucky because a lot of people aged with me. So a lot of people who were already following me in their 20s and 30s kept following me into their 40s and were like, man, I got to do something. The first thing is, like you said, acceptance, not resistance, yeah. right? Accept where you are and how you got there. All right. Okay. I, stopped putting, I stopped putting me first and there's a price for that, right? Yeah. There's a consequence to every action and every habit. So, sure. you know the old saying is our progress is only going to be as effective as our lack of bad habits. Yeah. So ignoring your own needs on a day-to-day -day basis is basically a good predictor of how you're going to end up health wise, body weight wise, body fat wise, all those kind of things. So the first is acceptance and that has many layers. Okay. Stop saying, how did I get here? Like it's some yeah. big mystery. You just yeah. explained how you got there, right? Sure. Like, so it's not, it's not a mystery. And like I said, if, if you do research on human genetics, mm -hmm. you realize that a 20 to 30 year old body is very resilient to all mm -hmm. kinds of things, to alcohol, to drugs, to injury, mm -hmm. to attack, to virus, right? Like who, who yeah. gets the sickest from the virus, Older right? People. Yeah. Right. So, um, so we need to accept as we're getting older, we don't have that resilience anymore. Yeah. Then the next level of acceptance is what are you really willing to do about it? Yeah. You know, because people are willing to try a habit change until it becomes inconvenient. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, you know, I worked hard all week. It's Friday night. I want to go out for dinner or I don't want to cook or I want to, you know, fine keep telling yourself those stories because we are the result of the stories we tell ourselves yeah so you either want to change or you don't want to change but the flip side of that coin is that defeat does not equal failure so just because someone's tried and failed a bunch of times unless they get into the emotional self-judgment of it which tends to be a north american thing right like oh you know I'm, I'm, I'm so guilty because i had a piece of cake or something like that Unless they get into that sort of frame, then every time they're defeated by one diet attempt, they should learn something valuable. 
Well, that didn't that didn't work because it was too restrictive and it made me too hungry. And then I ended up overeating later and, you know, blah, 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 whatever that lesson may be. Right. Or it's I shouldn't have this food in my house because I'll eat it. So I'm not going to have it, whatever. But learn something from each each attempt at an achievement. Learn something when you don't achieve it. And if you study high level achievers, as I have for decades, from all walks of life, yeah. what you see is nobody succeeds right out of the right out of the gate. Yes. Nobody just like, oh, I'm going to take up finance, financial success, and I'm going to yeah. succeed right out of the gate with no setbacks. But that's what people expect when they undertake an adult goal like weight loss, right? Mm. Oh, there's never going to be a setback. And then if there is a setback, they just quit. That's the only failure is to yeah. quit. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, we, I call that the infantile ego where we have these adult goals and considerations, but we treat them like spoiled children, like we're spoiled mm. children. Well, that didn't work out. So I quit, you know, and, and the example I used to use in my seminars and stuff and such is like, think of a baby learning to walk, a toddler yeah. learning to walk. The toddler falls down all kinds of times. They don't just give up on walking and drag themselves through life crawling the rest of their, you know, the rest of their years. They, they intuitively learn something from that. Even if they fall and bang themselves and end up crying, they get up and they try to walk again or, and sometimes they fall down and it's hilarious. Uh, You know, everyone laughs, but they eventually learn to walk. And it's the same thing with these sort of adult goals. You have to learn at every misstep and trip and fall is part of a process of eventual achievement. You know, nobody comes out of the gate. The difference is whether someone is passionate enough about it to stick with it. And most people, when it comes to sacrifice of indulgences, most people aren't passionate enough. They're just not passionate enough. So I remember one of the very first interviews I did when I didn't even realize I was becoming a big name at the time, but, you know, people wanted to interview me in bodybuilding. And I remember the interviewer said to me, okay, and he was all about, you know, like magic exercises and magic potions and, you know, Mm. magic supplements and all this. There's a level of mentality back then. And he said, okay, what are the top five that someone has to to have to like achieve what you did in, in, in bodybuilding. And I said, heart, 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 and heart. You know, I said, most people just underestimate what it takes to be good at anything. Yeah. You know, if they've never done it before, but if you're in it and you see, and you're in it with other people who are in it, then you understand about passions and, and things like that. Right. So, and, and like I said, I, study people from all walks of life. And I, you know, in terms of passion, I I remember watching um, Becoming Warren Buffett as a documentary. And he talks about his paper route when he was like, however old he was, and how collecting money became this, this thing for him, right? And that's like, and then he becomes the richest man in the world. Those things aren't unconnected. They're, they're 100% connected, right? So, you know, you're not going to decide at age 45, if you're broke, that you're going to be Warren Buffett. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there was a passion there that lit mm-hmm. his path all the way through his life that said, this is the one thing I want to do. And he's going to do it well, right? And he did. So you can, 
look at that in the sport world and the, you know, all those kind of things, but enough people, you know, we, we don't even realize the extent to which the digital world of entitlement and convenience has imprinted on us. Sure. So that we want what we want when we want it and anything that sort of doesn't agree with that, even if it's a goal of ours, then we have to shove that aside for, for the immediate rush. Right. Yeah. So, um, and that's a problem and it's even a problem with leaders. Cause I, I coach people who are coaches themselves. And I yeah. think to myself sometimes, how can you be coaching people? You're a complete mess. Yeah. Like, you right. know, like, um, so people need to sort of stop looking for recipes and, and, you know, when it comes to recipes, like the most beautiful, beautiful five layer birthday cake has many ingredients, but you can't make it without flour. And the same thing exists in weight loss goals or any adult goal. You can't make, achieve that goal, that recipe without some modicum of self-respect. So you're either going to start with no self-respect and look to gain it through the outcome, which you're going to fail, or you're going to start with just enough self-respect to make you want to have that goal to begin with. And then by following the path, you keep building that self-respect and building it and building it because you're following the path and you're saying, oh, I can do this. I did it for one meal. I did it for one week. I did it for but you have to learn something from, from that. And that's why I always say the process is the goal and the goal is the process. Don't tell me about 40 pounds or 50 pounds, mm. you know, you know, tell me that you did all right today and then we'll see if you do all right tomorrow. And okay. then, you know, I, I'll right. explain to you, if you don't, well, let's, let's ascertain why you didn't do so well tomorrow as you did today or yesterday or whatever. Yeah, so it's really the the old adage of uh, to eat an elephant, you do it one bite at a time. Focus on the process or the steps involved rather than the big accomplishment that you're aiming for at the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, just even if it's a faulty process, you're going to learn something from it, right? Sure. Like, sure. Um, but, you know, people think they're just going to, you know, if there's a path that they have to walk, they think they're going to get into a car and drive there instead. And it's just mm. not especially in adult aging bodies, that's just not how things work. So most of the time, you know, not most of the time, a lot of the time I will have clients who are making good progress, Mm. but they don't, they're frustrated with their progress, even though it's a realistic level of progress. And then they sabotage themselves because their expectations aren't real. Yeah. So they start out with these unrealistic expectations. You know, they're going to, they're going to have six pack abs or they're going to like, wear a bikini for the first time in 30 years and they're doing great, but it's not by some kind of false image they've created in their head. Right. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk about un- unrealistic expectations in, in just one moment before I move away. I know there are going to be listeners that are saying, okay, Scott, give us the brass tacks. You said that there's a lot of misinformation in the fitness industry. What are the things that really just at a fundamental level, what is the flower that we need to be aware of, you know, working out, eating, you know, with all the fads that are out there, talk about basics of uh, health and wellness or, you know, just weight loss. What, what are the things that you need to focus on? Well, one thing you referred to it earlier, no one can out exercise a poor or inconsistent diet. 
no one no one ever has no one ever will unless they're like genetic elite specimen in their 20s and exercise is overestimated you could go on any websites where someone is passionately devoted to weight training passionately devoted to running passionately devoted to yoga passionately devoted to Pilates, and you will see before and after pictures that someone sustained for decades. So what does that tell you? That tells you that there isn't one way, Yeah. right? So yeah. it's the old saying, methods are many, principles are few. Yeah. Find okay. out what those principles are. And those, you know what those principles are? The three C's, consistency, compliance, you know, and the other one is confidence that comes from those two things. Yeah. So consistency, compliance, they all... Re, reorient, refeed, reboot each other. Um, and that's what it takes. And then when it comes to the diet strategy, let's just stop the nonsense. The more fruits and vegetables you eat, the more you crowd out other stuff from being possible to eat. So, you know, I've written books on metabolism and things like that. And yes, you can make it a lot more complicated than that. But if someone has 40 or 50 pounds to lose, just start there. You know, the, the, the basics, that I always say is no one ever got fat from eating too many apples. Show me anybody that says I gained 50 pounds eating too many apples. It's not (laughs) possible. Right. So, uh, so that's me saying, let's get real about getting real. This, this isn't new knowledge. This isn't rocket science. This isn't the nutrition world has unearthed this, you know, like, but I see it every time I go to the grocery store. And the thing that offends me the most, it's always a woman's magazine like woman's yeah. world or something like, I don't know what mm. it's like where you live, but here it's the same. It's exactly the same. Every week at the checkout line, lose mm. 20 pounds in, in this many days. And this, mm. they, they don't say lose this much fat. They mm. don't say, you know, it's always a magic cure, you know, like, Oh, yeah. special keto for kids or, you know, like just, and it's just getting so, so ridiculous that you would have to be someone who has a lot more wishbone than backbone Mm. to want to believe this stuff to begin with, to look at that and go, Oh, I'm going to try this magic solution of, you know, a a promise, right? Not a fact, but a promise, right. Which we've seen in the political landscape for years now, which like I, like I, like this whole point that I'm trying to make is if we're paying attention, we learn something from it. Instead of being gullible to it and falling for it, we learn something from it. We learn the power of a repetitive message. It doesn't even have to be true. If it's repetitive and we hear it enough, we start to, if not believe it's true, wonder if it might be true. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where someone will avoid eating an apple, but have bacon instead. Bacon and eggs is better breakfast for you than, you know, like oatmeal with blueberries. I mean, it's just... I, I mean, really, we have to have this conversation. I mean, just, you know, I, I just, I just don't get that, um, that cognitive dissonance where, you know, yeah. the other thing people need to do is stop hiding behind this. Stop yeah. hiding behind. Well, there's just so much misinformation out there. It's so confusing. Mm. No, that's you looking for a way out of saying, yeah. well, I didn't, you know, if you really look at it, is really that your excuse that you've put on the 40 pounds and you've never been able to take it off because it's just so much confusing information out there? Is mm. that why you're having pizza and, and sugary soda on Friday night and then continuing through the weekend? Because what the hell? Mm. I mean, 
does that have anything to do with the misinformation where you say screw it no it doesn't (laughs) so like i said if the main ingredient is self-respect and you start building regular habits around that where the other thing from entitlement culture and convenience culture which we're all affected by don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm no better than anyone else but when you stop thinking that things should be a certain way and mm. you, you, you start limiting yourself, all these other choices that don't lead you where you want to go. Yeah. If it doesn't lead me to where I want to go, then it's not a choice yeah. anymore, right? I'm not going to make that choice because I've been making that choice for this many years and that's how I got here. Yeah. So, you know, um, I said in one of my books, it's the difference between people who elevate something to the next level. So if yeah. you look at vegetarians, for instance, who are vegetarians on an ethical moral level, let's say animal rights or climate change or whatever, they're not gonna be tempted to eat animal flesh. They're just not tempted by it. They're not gonna be, but if you look at someone who's trying vegetarianism as another diet, yeah, then that, that's real easy to be tempted by burgers and fries on a Friday night. The one who's elevated it to an ethical moral level has underlined that with a self-respecting thing. Whereas the other one who sees it as a diet, as a means to an end, mm. they can abandon that anytime for the next available, you know, um, quick fix, you know, shiny yeah. new object that comes, that comes down the pipe. Right. So, and then yeah. we, we've seen that, you know, people who believe that eating eggs and bacon and, and, and burgers with cheese without the bun is somehow some magic weight loss solution where, no, that's, you know, that's actually the opposite, but okay. So, yeah, gotcha. You know, all right. So let's talk about, sorry, go on. I cut you off there. No, no. I was just going to say like, um, when common sense is so uncommon that, that, um, you know, nonsense becomes common sense Mm. in certain pockets where you go, where you want to hear a certain message, not because Mm. it's true, but because you want to hear that message. Yeah, you know, like b- body acceptance, like that's another one for me. Sure. Being in this industry and seeing all the people that I've seen who've suffered medical, serious medical, well, some are dead, some have had heart attacks, and they didn't get a second chance to diet, right? But you go to this, these body acceptance sites where people are 100 pounds overweight. Mm. And it's oh, you know, my, my health is fine. And, you know, I accept myself the way I am. I'm really, you know, you want, to, you want to have that discussion then have it with a health professional. Like don't have yeah. it with each other. Don't have it with each other because that's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You know? So anyway, sorry. Right. No, no, look, this is, this is the sort of stuff we, we need to hear. And, you know, you're pushing all sorts of buttons for me as well, because yeah, like, like the average uh, guy who's struggled with weight loss, I'm always looking for that, you know, what, what's the quick diet that's going to help, you know, try the keto, try the this, try the that. And uh, it's good to hear uh, straight talk. And I think it's important for us to hear straight talk. And so I appreciate you saying that, Scott. So you you mentioned in there about um, expectations or unrealistic expectations and why that gets so many people stuck. And, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about influences and how they're creating these uh, idealistic images that people get hooked into and fail to recognize the effort that goes into getting there. Let's talk about unrealistic expectations a little more. How does that affect us, not just on a health level, but just on a performance level in any area of our life? 
I think one of the most frustrating things for me is that things have sort of downgraded so much that we now see mediocrity as exceptional. Mm. You know, a, a mediocre result is somehow something to be celebrated. Mm. Um, now, I'm not, I'm not talking about extremes. I'm not talking, I'm not saying everyone should aim for some extreme. That's also an unrealistic, you know, expectation, right? But we've got to accept that, you know, um, extraordinary uh, goals require extraordinary efforts, right? Extraordinary outcomes require extraordinary efforts. No one ever achieved uh, something rewarding by accident, right? No one ever broke the record in the marathon accidentally. No one ever went to four Super Bowls because they're on the right team at the right time. Like, you know, this is, but we fail to grant that when it comes to our own expectations of how something should be, right? So we want sort of, like you said, the easy, the quick fix, but it also starts with what's a realistic expectation for me right now, given my age, given my, you know, if I get this from, from ladies all the time, they're in their forties, you know, they're, they're pre-menopausal or they're in their forties. So their metabolism slows down a lot more for women than it does for men at similar age. And they're looking at fitness money, social media, Instagram sites, and, and saying, I want that. That ship yeah. sailed, especially if they've had kids and they've had this and that. Like, you know, I hate to break it to you, but I don't hate to break it to you because I'm, you know, I'll deliver the honest message to people who want, like I said, don't ask the question if you don't want an honest answer, right? But anymore, people don't want the honest answer. They want the prop up right? They want the promise. Like, mm. just keep promising me, promise me the results, even though they're unreal in my head, mm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, I'll keep following you to the nth degree, even mm. though the evidence is right in front of them, that it's just not possible, right? Mm. So if I have a client who's doing everything expected of them, and they're not happy with the results, then their expectations are unrealistic, this is what your body wants. Oh, but my friend, or I know someone who knows someone who's my age and my height, and they did this. Well, that's their genetics. You know, that's, you know, you're, you're in this particular predicament in your particular body with the parents that you selected or that selected you or gave birth to you. Right. So all these kind of things factor into this going back to the acceptance again where am i at what do i need to do and are my expectations real as a coach i'm the one who tends to reel people's expectations in right. my best clients are people who will say to me i just want to feel better and have more energy those are the best clients because they will fall in love with the process yeah. but the ones who are you know they want a number on a scale you know, they want a certain dress size by the next high school reunion, or those are the ones who will become a complete mess because yeah. it's all about outcomes and the investment in the process is just too much. Um, okay, so how, how do we differentiate between using, say, genetics or our age as an excuse to stop working? You know, oh, I'm not going to lose weight because of my age and setting expectations that are realistic for who we are and where we're at. How do you, 
how do you pass that out so that it doesn't become an excuse for not trying? A self-inquiry for me has yeah. always worked and latching on to specific mantras that you can think of in your head right away that will do a cognitive restructuring, like literally change the channel of the way you're thinking in your head. Yeah. Yeah. So what I get clients to do is to say, am I doing all I can? Yeah. You know, like, so, so they, they start getting real about their process, right? They'll, yeah. they'll check in and, and this is happening and that is happening because none of this happens in a vacuum, right? Like yeah. I can give someone a great diet strategy that they should be able to follow. And I can give them a good exercise regimen that, that fits their lifestyle, which is very important. That's another topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but life still happens, yeah. right? Like in the last year I had clients were doing great. Guess what? Like I had a couple clients, um, both their parents got COVID, mm. right? So they had to like, they, they couldn't see them. They couldn't do the, you know, and, and you know, mm. some of the sadder stories, like both parents went into the hospital and only one came out, you know, mm. that, that kind of thing, that's going to like, that's going to throw a wrench into the perfect process. Right. Mm. So, so there is, you know, what's it, what's the old saying? Perfection is the enemy of progress. Yeah. So they, they need to stop the compare, contrast, compete. Yeah. Catch yourself when you're in compare, contrast, compete. Like I will tell people when they, you know, they pull up a bodybuilding picture or I'll use a bodybuilding picture of my past to make mm. a point about diet or about training or whatever. But I don't compare myself to who I was then. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm almost 60. Guess what? There's certain realities for me just as there is for everyone else. So I don't do compare, contrast, compete. I don't go on some other, you know, I don't type into Instagram hot male 60-year-olds and see males that look great so I can go, oh, poor me. I don't look like that guy who lives in the gym or what, you know. So the worst thing people can do is, which society wants them to do that's what instagram and stuff is built on what's everyone else doing you know Mm, like mm. um but i've seen that that to be the downfall of so many of my clients where i've advised them look you've got to get off social media it's killing you like it's killing your you know your your, you know this person and that person and you know like compare contrast compete all you can do is devote devote yourself to the process at hand forget about everything else is noise Devote yourself to the process at hand. And, and that's the story of most people who have achieved a goal and that they don't equate defeat with failure. They're like, oh, damn, life slammed me hard on this particular attempt. But you know what? You know, like Buddha, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Yeah. Right. I mean, but it's become too easy to live by a quote card or a cliche or whatever. Oh, you know, I'm going to send this to all my friends. And it says something like fall down seven times, stand up eight. And someone's Mm. going through a tough time and says, Oh, this was great. This really helped me. It only helps you if you take action on it. Yeah. So eventually you have to reinforce your actions with the thoughts that keep you wanting to do those things. Yeah. Right. So you want to get up the next day and eat fruits and vegetables. You don't want to fight against, but I really want pizza and ice cream. Mm. Right. You want to get to the point where you're being sincere with your self-talk so that you want to eat fruits and vegetables because you want to feel healthy, look as good as you can uh, for the age you are or, or whatever the genetics you have. Mm. Right. But 
too many people, they're living in this North American mindset of resistance, that their whole goal every day is to wake up and resist urges for, you know, ice cream, resist the urge for pizza, resist the urge for, for, you know, snacks or, you know, chips or, you know, chocolate bars or whatever it is. Right. But that's the wrong mindset. You know, what's the old saying? Resistance is futile. Um, But this is sort of the North American mindset way that everything is a battle. And I've always said to people, no, it's not. Because if you get in that ring, let's say your, your battle is eating issues or food issues, your battle is weight loss. And that's how you perceive it in your head. Don't forget, we are the result of the stories we tell ourselves. So even if you think it's a battle and, and you go 15 rounds in that battle and you win, you come out on the other end with a decision, guess what? In that battle, you've still been punched for 15 rounds. You're still showing the battle scars Mm. and the wounds of that experience. The best thing to do is to choose to not to get in the ring in the first place. Right. And it's not a battle. Right. It's a choice. It's a decision you make. Mm. Make the decision as an adult and not like a little kid. Yeah. So that when the next shiny object goes running by, you're not like, oh, temptation got the best of me. Yeah. You know what? Your path to achievement is going to be marked all along the way with nice, lazy boys for you to decide to sit in and do nothing instead. Yeah. Right. That's the truth. So you're going to have to realize, follow the path, realize there'll be obstacles, there'll be walls, there'll be temptation. Mm. All along the path, every good story, even going back to Moses and Jesus, is the story of walking a hard path and facing temptation. This isn't new, right? Let's stop pretending it's new, or Mm. even worse, the arrogance of the entitlement age. Let's stop pretending that my particular situation is new. Mm. You know, you don't understand. No one's had it like I had it. Like, I had so many people in my career who tell me, yeah, but you don't understand. I crave food differently than other people. My cravings <laughs> are way stronger than other people's. Uh, no, they're not. You know, yeah. you just like. But if you if you tell yourself that story enough, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, you're gonna you're gonna believe nonsense, right? Yeah. So, um, these things to me are self evident, and they're very obvious. And they're commonsensical and they're yeah. right in our face when we choose to like go like this and go, I don't see that. <laughs> you know, I, I want to yeah. look over here instead. Right. Yeah. And part of my job as a coach is, uh, you know, people I offer for my services, one-time diets, one-time workout programs and one-on-one coaching. And the majority of the time people will say, well, I ordered a one-time diet and then I'll look at their assessment information and I'll say, you know what? A diet from me isn't going to serve you. A diet from no one right now is going to serve you. You need one-on-one coaching. Why? Because coaching goes a level deeper. Coaching is direction, it's guidance, it's accountability, and it's support, right? Just like parenting should be those four things, right? Yeah. Uh, no kid ever raised themselves in a vacuum mm. from the age of three to a healthy, healthy adult, right? Mm. You need guidance, you need support, you need accountability, um, you need direction. Okay. So a lot of the times, I mean, look at leaders. 
look at leaders and mentors and, and, you know, the new president, guess what? He was vice president. And then he was mm. in this, he's been chasing this for how long? 50 years, mm. so 50 true. years, right? I've been doing what I've been doing for five decades, right? Yeah. So it becomes a lifestyle, it becomes an investment. And I think people need to stop looking at outcomes and look more at the investment, right? Mm. And look, look at it that way. It's an investment opportunity in what? in health, in well-being, in, in self-satisfaction, in self-direction, you know, but stop pretending that it all happens separate from your real life, yeah. you know, like, cause your yeah. real life is going to throw challenges, right? It's going to throw, you know, like when all the gyms shut down because of COVID, I saw people who thought, wow, you know, I don't have to commute anymore. I don't have to go to work. I'm working online. Like we're doing now, this is great. And then yeah. I had people like completely went the other way, depressed, deflated, mm. eating junk food as a distraction because they're depressed and deflated. And then what does the eating junk food do? Makes them more depressed and deflated. <laughs> so they have this like vicious, you know, negative feedback loop. And you go, can't you see you, that you're not, you know, you're self-medicating with something that's making it worse, not better, yeah. right? So a lot of the time it's talking people out of their own narratives. Yeah. Right. So, and if you look at and study people that have achieved, like I, I mentioned Warren Buffett, but you could study mm. athletes, you can study actors or mm. anybody that's made it on a stage and stayed there. You will see the narratives they told themselves, mm. not just to achieve that goal, uh, but to stay there. Like, like what just popped into my head, the Canadian um, comedian, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Remember his, uh, I don't, where you live, if that's a name you recognize, but you know, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Jim Carrey, everyone knows who, who he is. Yeah, so. sure. Household name. Right. Sure. And part of his narrative was when he was like, had no food to eat and all this stuff, he wrote himself a check for $10 million and kept it in his wallet. Right. Yeah. These are the story. We are the result of the stories we tell ourselves. Right. Yeah. And at the time he couldn't share that with anyone else. They would have thought he was an idiot. Yeah. Right. But then guess what ends up happening? Right. So, um, but I don't want to also lead people into this thing about, oh, it's all about, you know, positive thinking and positive, mm. you know, like, cause that's a bunch of horse shit too. Yeah. You know, like this, all this, like just, you know, will it into being, mm. that's not how things work either, you know? So, um, knowledge isn't power knowledge that's acted upon is power. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good. And, so good. Yeah. And knowledge yeah. that's acted upon consistently is power. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm telling you anything new, but I'm telling you like what five decades of experience have proven to me over and over again is that the yeah. secrets, the secret is there are no secrets. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Scott, I, I just love the way that you've just been real with us. You've uh, just told it as it is. And, you know, for, for many of us, including myself, we need to hear that occasionally. We need some straight talk from those who have been before us. And I'm just so grateful that you've taken the time out to talk with us today. If people want to find out more about what you do or maybe get in touch with you, what's the best place to find Scott Abel? Uh, social media is coach Scott Abel and the yeah. uh, website is scottablefitness.com and the email is scott at scottable.com, but it's A-B-E-L, not L-E. Great. So um, those are good, good places to start. And then there's um, on my Scott Abel Fitness site, you could uh, have access to my books or my video products, or of course, my blog archives where I write about this stuff 
all the time. So, right. you know, um, so I, this is the kind of stuff that I like talking about, whereas other people, you know, again, who run blogs and stuff, they want to tell you about, you know, do this, not that, eat this, not that, um, mm. you know, magic, five magic solutions to your weight. Loss. I, I don't do that. I try to talk to people on a real level of what's really going to get you there. Mm. Um, you know, so that, that's the kind of thing, like, you know, I say to people all the time, if you think you're going to feel, you're only going to feel better about yourself. 50 pounds from now, you're never going to get there. If you feel better about yourself now, that's the path to getting there. Good. Right. And then, and then they'll be like, well, how do I do that? Well, you know, the guidance, the support, the direction and the accountability. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you guys, you've, you've heard it from Scott. It's straight, it's real, it's down to earth. And I encourage you go and follow him, go and check out his blog and uh, everything else that he is uh doing right now and uh we are going to um put those links into the show notes and make sure that you can access that um very soon scott thanks so much again for being here oh pleasure thanks for having me it's awesome Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you got a ton of value out of that episode. Don't forget to let us know what you thought in the comments. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover next time, we'd love to hear from you. If you know anyone that would benefit from the content that we produce, please like and share this channel. And we look forward to having you next time on the Tarun Stevenson Leadership Channel. 